Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. Dude, welcome to episode 10. Yeah, it's good to be here. It is. It's a nice day out again. Dude, it has been gorgeous today. What was it, like 73 in the afternoon? I mean, we went out a little earlier, but... Yeah, I mean, it's that perfect time of year where you don't have to get up so early, and it's some of this rain has kind of cleared things out a little bit, although... You know, I don't know what it is, the flowers or whatever blooming, definitely got some allergies or something going on, so it's not that fun. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely that time of year. Well, uh, before we get started, let's just uh, mention our socials, if you guys need to get in touch with us or, you know, like our page or whatever, you know. Instagram and Twitter, we're at Post Ride Cafe. Yep, and you could follow us both on Strava, we'll have our links for that as well posted in the show notes. The show notes. We're official, dude, we gotta have show notes now. I mean, that's what they're called. When you put them on there, it, it says show notes, so I'm, I'm going to use the proper term. Yeah, well, we're, we're, we're too fancy. Yeah. Well, let's get into our Strava Stats of the Week. Stats of the Week, man. Yeah, I uh, got one right in. 43 miles, 1,000 feet. Uh, like we had said last week, you know, here in Phoenix, we got a lot of rain this week. We had, I think it was three or four days, and um, yeah, it just kind of hampered my style to be able to go ride my bike, but... I mean, not everyone has the amount of free time that I have. It's so true. I, uh, I went out and, well, stats, went 180 miles and, what is that, 4,900 feet of climbing yeah. for the week. So it was about on par with what I usually do or what I've been trying to do is the goal around 200. Um, but a big chunk of that came from Monday. I went out and rode 65 miles out to from where we live in the North Valley out to the start of Bartlett Dam. And there's pretty much a bike lane, the majority of that. And I'm going out also on a Monday, 10 a.m. or so. So it's not quite as bad as it could be. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of a known route as well. A, a lot of groups. Yeah, it's pretty popular. Yeah, a lot of groups will go out there. I think the, the boss ride will do that. The Bike of Scottsdale and Bicycle Ranch will go out there, and I'm, I'm sure plenty of other ones. So it's a lot of people are riding it. So does the Bicycle House go there, dude? The Haas? Uh, I don't know. Probably. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, that. all those shops are in the north side of Scottsdale area, and that's just the, the spot to go ride. It's a great area. Yeah, it really is. I'm assuming, uh, let's get into the ride of the week. I'm assuming that was your ride? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what I was I was kind of covering. That makes sense. Yeah, so for me, it was, you know, by default again, my one ride. But <laughs> I did want to talk about it anyway. You know, we were kind of discussing last week about how we build rides, how do we make routes, like what are we trying to accomplish? And, you know, utilizing that same mentality, you know, we've been able to develop this area by exploring a little more, meeting other people that ride and kind of looking at what they're doing and going out with, with different with different people riding bikes. And so, you know, today we did this ride that was, you know, it's nice we get to start from the house and ended up being, we could have gotten, you know, easily more miles, right? It's not a, oh, it wasn't yeah. a big deal. You know, it was kind of, we kind of decided it was going to be around 40 miles anyway and, um, you know, kind of missed out on some climbs or whatever. But yeah, we still got a thousand feet and you know 43 miles and it was a great day i mean the the thing i like about this this area and, and exploring it is the lanes are nice um you know the traffic isn't too bad you're kind of riding through neighborhoods they're not like densely populated and it's kind of a newer area that's being developed so you're kind of seeing this thoughtful you know bike lane infrastructure kind of built before it's 
you know, developed. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, I would say because that's my whole thing. I, I hate writing in neighborhoods is just because there's so many, it's so many turns, tight corners and blind corners. And so you can't really go full speed and it, it gets a little twisty and you, you can't keep, I think, a proper pace as well, which I don't really like. It's just you're constantly changing pace or unclipping. And this area, you, you go up there and it's, like you said, wide enough and thoughtfully planned out where you can go and not really have to unclip, not really have to do too many stop signs, too many lights. Yeah. Um, you know, you hit a, a few, of, of course, but for the most part, you're able just to keep a steady pace and go yeah. around, don't have to really backtrack, and and you can add on climbs and miles. You know, you could turn that, I would I would say, easily into a 60 if, if you wanted to with a, a few different things. You Oh, yeah, it's a nice build-a-ride. You yeah. know, and, and even when you get out, so, like, I would say the Lake Pleasant Parkway is almost very similar vibe to, like, Sonoran, where, like, it's long straightaways, and there's not any lights yet, and so it's not as long as Sonoran is, but it has three or four mile stretch in one direction at least, so it's, you know, it's a slight climb, not not by a lot, one or two percent, but it does, it's not flat, you know, but... Then on the way down, like, so you see, I see time trialists is basically what I'm saying. I see a lot yeah. of triathletes on tri bikes, like riding this area. And it is a, you know, a good area when you're not in the mood to go to Sonoran or whatever, or if you live on this side, like it's a, it's a substitute for Sonoran that you're not unhappy with for the weekday. You know? Yeah. And I mean, in some ways I think it's kind of better, especially with the climbing that you can add onto it. Sonoran is part of that one that I went to on Monday. So you can go much further. I think it's that area, I guess, becomes kind of unlimited amount of miles. This one, I think, is a little more limited, but it's easier to get to a lot of good stuff. Where mm -hmm. Sonoran, you're turning that into a 60, 100-mile day, which is nice. But if you don't want to do that, like you are saying, during the week, this works out really well. And yeah. it kind of originally started for us as a 25-mile ride. Mm -hmm. And this has just developed into things that we found and, you know, basically added on another 20 miles. So pretty Yeah, cool. and then also just a lot more climbing feet, right? So yeah. before oh, yeah. it would be 20 miles and you're getting three or 400 feet. So we can actually... Get... And we skip things. So, I mean, yeah. easily it could have been 2,000 if we wanted to, yeah. to do some particular things. Well, of course. If you're really going out to just do climbing, you can do some repeats and there's other things you can do. Yeah. But even just individual climbs that you do once, we could easily get closer to two with that area. So it's nice. You know, if you haven't been out there, I'd definitely check it out. If you're from Phoenix, I would definitely go and explore that area. There's a lot of cyclists that are actually out there, not, you know, as in like PV or Scottsdale area where you're more used to being around other riders, but you still see them. Yeah, there was a group out this morning and, and lots of individuals, so it's... Yeah. Anyway, turning out to be a really nice spot. and It's kind of hitting all the things. Yeah. So pretty excited. Makes uh, living here not so bad. We originally were <laughs> it, it kind of bummed. We're like, man, this area is just not good for biking. And I think it really just is like a mentality shift of like opening your eyes, like exploring more and like making the best of where you're at. And this ended up being way better than we actually imagined. And we're giving it credit for. Yeah. And no bike paths needed. Always a good thing. Yeah. Well, let's get into the uh, news of the week. You know, obviously we're kind of not really glossing over it, but, you know, coronavirus is a big thing right now. And a lot of things are getting canceled, but there was one bright spot. 
Paranese was on, and they ended up only canceling one day. I would say, overall, just such a good race. Oh, yeah. So, like, the race itself was just super cool. I don't know. I've, I've seen Paranese in the past without really thinking about its place in the calendar or what it's trying to accomplish or just the race and just enjoying it for the race that it was. I remember seeing it, and it's usually there's rainy stages and stuff like that just because of the time of year in France, but uh, this one, I think, just had a little bit of a different vibe because with other races being canceled, and we kind of talked about this in our preview, but now that we got to see it, it definitely, we weren't sure what impact it was going to have, but it had an impact. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it kind of played out exactly in the way that we were saying that it is going to change because of this, yeah. where you have classics guys in there so that they're going to treat it like a classics race every stage, which is kind of what happened. You know, there's going to be echelons. There's going to be uh, just a stacked field where mm -hmm. yeah. you have two or three top guys on the team where maybe you'd only have one and they're working for one guy. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it, it kind of fulfilled all of that too. Yeah. No, it was a really cool uh, race all week long. And so just right out of the gate, stage one, you know, we were kind of talking about that a little bit last week. We didn't watch it before the episode recording, but we did talk a little bit about that stage had a little kicker at the end and it kind of had a, like a classics finale feel to it that we were kind of curious what would happen. And, you know, it was pretty dang close, you know, so there was a lot of, you know, by the time coverage started, there had already been some wind echelons and, um, you know, there was a group of riders that were up ahead. And, and one of the things I wanted to touch on was just tactics. And like, I just get really annoyed at crappy tactics. And so this group had like 12 riders in it and five of them were from Team Sunweb, and they hardly pulled at all. It was weird. Yeah, every time they'd go up, they'd do like a token pull and jump off. Like, for if it was a normal breakaway or like a quick step or anyone else, like, you would expect them to do most of the work. Yeah, I mean, with, yeah, with that many people, and, and it would be expected that everyone would kind of lean on them. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess... We can, we'll go into it deeper a little bit once we get to the next couple stages, but tactics. And I think one thing just to touch on is in the back of everyone's mind, I think they were expecting even an earlier cancellation of the race because what was it? The, the stage race just prior had that early cancellation and they were like, okay, they're UAE tour. Yeah, they're yeah. like, you're the winner. So I think that was in people's minds because sure. when I was watching it, I was kind of writing up notes. I didn't think about it right then, but then I was like, okay, I kind of get now, looking back, some of the things that were done. It's still odd, though. And it, yeah, I, it was just bad tactics. I don't care what time of year it was or what was <laughs> going on. You shouldn't have five riders and a break of 12 and do no work. Like, it was just, a, it was a, I don't know, embarrassing or, like, shameful or whatever. I don't know. Like, they're supposed to be built as a classics team, and, like, you know, we'll get to that in the coming stages. They definitely looked good, but it was just a weird way to start. And one other thing I wanted to talk about this stage was, before we get to the finale, was Warren Bargee crashed, you know, unfortunately, and he kind of got stuck behind, and he was just sitting behind his team car pedaling forever. Yeah, I was like, he got stuck behind a team car. Yeah, that's where what he got happened. stuck behind. Yeah, and then he, like, stopped for a little bit, and then he was upset because there was a camera bike following him, and it's like, dude, you're just sitting behind a team car the whole time. Yeah, and he's, he's like, waving him off, and then <laughs> yeah. you would think that he's like, okay, like, I'm, I'm getting in the car. It just, you know, you've seen it before where they're yeah. like, 
all right, I'm too far behind. I'm just, I'm done mm-hmm. with this. I'm hurt. Well, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, that's I'm what it, not continuing. That's what it looked like it was happening. But then it was just him trying to get the bike to go. And then he gets and back like, on the bike and then right behind the car again. Yeah, You're like, know, what are you was, doing, man? And he was already a couple minutes behind. It was just like, it sucks to go out that way. I, I think this race, like you were saying, was just weird because I think everyone kind of felt that everything was kind of getting canceled and the way things were kind of progressing throughout the week. Like, this was going to, this is the last race, you know, spoiler alert. Like, this is the last race for an unforeseen amount of time. Yeah. And that just sucks. I mean, at least a month, if we're looking maybe two months minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Probably more realistically. Real weird, uh, real weird season, that's for sure. But anyway, so as the, the, the break kind of just lets people go around and do whatever, and so um, Benut and Alphalete finally just kind of initiate stuff, and they attack with 30K to go from that group. And there's, a, like I said, there's a little Cat 2 climb at the end. I don't even know if it was categorized, actually. I, I'm not sure. I don't think like, it was. But yeah, so they attack, and so Peloton kind of just still chilling, not really doing much, and then they finally wake up coming into the final climb, and, you know, the Peloton is really good about timing breaks and distances, and so they got pretty close in that climb. I think it was like 45 seconds or something, and... The climb was like 2K, so it's enough to climb that back. So I wasn't really too worried once they started getting... Especially when they've rested, and there's a huge difference. That I think that you don't always see. It's like, oh, 45 seconds. It's like, but you got some guys who are, can go full gear right now that have not had to work, and you know yeah. the other guys up front are, are getting tired. But I'll give them credit. Like, Toons and... Or, um, Benut and Alaphilippe were really working well together, taking turns. Like, they were really putting in effort, and working well like it wasn't like just Alaphilippe doing a lot of work I think Alaphilippe did do a little bit more work but you know they're also just built differently and so in areas where you know Alaphilippe is better he was just doing more work and Benut was doing more yeah if he can climb better because I think there was times where he was kind of like do more and just like I'm giving you what I what I can like he definitely wasn't just hanging on and sucking a wheel or something like that I mean I when I was watching this you know they they made it to the top of the climb and into the descent um, on their own, right? It was just those two. The Peloton was getting close, but I thought, you know, it's a downhill. There wasn't a whole lot going on. I felt pretty comfortable with, with those two, and I thought one of those two were going to win, you know? Yeah. But uh, Dylan Toons and, and Max Schockman kind of attacked the Peloton when they got close, and they crested the climb, and they really attacked and caught up with them with, like, you know, a few K to go or whatever. It got really close. I thought for sure those two were going to make it because they were, like, 10, 15 seconds, and they were just kind of holding that gap. And then it was like 2K to go, and they finally caught him. And then all the tactics start. You know, we're like playing with each other, and they slow down or whatever. And like tunes jetted off, and then everyone's attacking everybody, and they got really tired. And then Shotgun was just doing the little least amount of work. I mean, he was the unknown quantity in this group. You know, when you have Benut, Alphilippe, uh, Shockman, and Dylan Toons, like three of those guys are known for being in breaks and known for being classics and stuff. So they were doing a lot of the work, and Shockman just kind of reaped all the benefits and attacked at the end and ended up winning that stage. It was a pretty good stage. Putting him down? He, he, he was just, you know, sucking wheels and not doing enough work? He wasn't, really, <laughs> in the end. And those 2K, he played it perfectly. And, but no one expected him to do yeah. it. Yeah, everybody was happened. coming in in pretty good shape or a bigger name or however you want to look at it. I was watching the TV. That's what was happening. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm interpreting what I saw. I mean, I guess I just don't. I remember it differently or however you do. The, the memory of a, of a biased person. Yeah, you're like <laughs> the biggest Bora fanboy in this room right now, so that's for sure. So yeah, that was stage one. Pretty cool finish. Definitely a classics feel. And 
you're going to hear that a lot, I imagine. But let's jump to stage two. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll stick with the classics feel. But yeah, when I came into this one, uh, it was basically Boron front, which is not to be unexpected as having the leader's jersey. And uh, Sagan leads out Shockman just to get the three-second time bonus. So they're already prepping for him going on for the week, but also just tactics. And I think that's the big thing of the whole whole week like this. Yeah, um, I love good tactics. But yeah, so right around 30K or so, they form a, a split in the break or in the peloton, and right around that time, it, it wasn't one of those where they did it right after. I think they were already splitting it up, but uh, Nairo crashes, and shortly, just within the same time, Al Philippe gets a flat. Mm -hmm. So just yeah. terrible timing for them, and they were already full gas, and obviously going to even turn it on even more oh, when sure. those things happen. It was pretty rainy too, wasn't it? But yeah, I, I think most of the days were. It was pretty wet anyway. Yeah. I don't know if it was like pouring or raining at the time, but the roads were wet. Like it was cloudy. It looked beautiful. Like, you know, I just love cloudy, rainy days on the bike. Yeah, definitely. But so that kind of like split up the groups where you had Shockman and Nibley and Higita in the front group. Um, and about 10K to go, Sagan goes on the front and further splits up that group. So, I mean, obviously going to give him credit, but. He no, hasn't been I, doing that well. Credit. He looks strong. I, I think the strength is there. I don't know what else is coming into play, but he's doing he's doing a good job for the team, and yeah. I, I think that's where he should be right now since everyone else is doing really well. Um, but the weird thing, which I was kind of uh, getting into before with the Sunweb tactics, they had four guys up in the front group, that one, the, the small group with Sagan and, and Shockman, they send three back to help Benute, where I'm watching this and I'm like, what's going on? So they send everybody except Michael Matthews back. And you're like, what are you, what are you doing with this? It just seemed odd. But I guess they, one, maybe they knew the shape that Benute was in. And two, they expected that it was going to be canceled early. So they went to go help him out. Um, gets a little closer to the end and Sagan does lead out for Ackerman. But Nizzolo comes around and, and takes the sprint win on that. Ackerman just seemed to fade a little bit. I, maybe he was tired. Yeah, it was a, it was a rough finale. Yeah, it was a rough stage. Um, Can you remind me, what team is Nizzolo on? He's on the team with the best jersey, NTT. Dude, they are racking up wins, man. Nizzolo's having a good start this season. Well, I was going to say, Nizzolo in general, I mean, probably the best I've ever seen him. It's the best, it's the best year to do well, that's for sure. Yeah. I think by the end of this season, he'll have like 60% of all the victories in the World Tour. Maybe. Uh, I hope that's not true. But yeah, so stage three, kind of a continuation of stage two, headwinds, the major player in this. And I watched a good portion of it, but nothing really happened until around 12K, and everyone's just hits the front and just trying to make things as hard as possible, just racing it in a classic style. Um, then there's a crash, and Owl Fleep goes to the front and tries to make it even harder. And so they're just trying just to wear people down here over and over again, just like they would in a in a classics race. Yeah, Owl Fleep's looked pretty good in this in this stage coming in. Like, you know, his form was unknown because he's kind of sick, and so we weren't knowing what to expect from him, right? Even stage one, you know, I think we had talked about you had said Al Fleep was gonna win, and I said Nairo was gonna win the race overall, and like 
So stage one, they're both in the front group. We're yeah, we're like, yeah, good, you know? <laughs> like we did it. But Al Philippe, you know, he kind of faded a little bit in stage one, and you know, but he he looked good, and even in this stage, he was putting in work, and like yeah. he's, he's really coming to form. I know? think personally, he was doing more than he could have. I think he he also saw that this was going to be the last race for a while, and didn't come into the shape into this race, the shape that he wanted to, but was just doing everything he could. Yeah. I think if he came in in his ideal shape, he would have blown a lot of stuff out. For sure. So anyway, yeah, he the crash at 6K, he, he just makes it tough. He's, he's hitting the front, putting in work. Yeah, and so it comes down just to what you would think a, a normal sprint finish. Crash in the last 500. Uh, Was Damar anywhere to be found? <laughs> I think he had already veered off the whole course. <laughs> the whole race. <laughs> yeah. But so it's Hofstetter takes out um, Bennett, and it was just looked pretty nasty and takes him into the barriers and tangles up Ewan as well. He's just basically a guy latched on his back wheel, so nothing he could do. Once again, Sagan's up there. I'm getting super excited, and he just cannot come around uh, Ivan Cortina at all. Really? And so he just... He just held it, and Sagan just never made an attempt to go around. So a little bit of a bummer on that for me personally, but, I mean, awesome for Cortina. Yeah. And, I mean, he, Sagan's looking stronger. And the the big thing, though, Bennett, he looks like a dick. He's, I don't know if you saw this. No, I didn't but see this But he one. shoulders Nairo several times really bad. And oh, I, really? so he actually, I think, got fined. For that, and I'm sure if he wouldn't have gone into the barriers, and I think he had to get stitches in his hand and he was out of the race, I'm sure they would have relegated him, you know, from whatever position he had. Huh. But he was just abusing Nairo. I was yeah, like, oh man, that, he, you know, Nairo needs to be hanging out with Higita. You know, Higita they said he did track racing, and he's like so tiny, you know. And then these crosswinds and these echelons, like he was putting in work. Like Higita looked like what is it stage two or whatever? He's like up in the front, and like doing pulls. Like well, yeah, because he was in that front group. He's good. like, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna be up there. But I think he had said, like you were saying with the track, he's like, I'm used to riding with bigger guys, and so I don't I don't get muscled out the same way that some other people do. So Naira needs to do a little track training this offseason. Yeah, he was getting messed up. I was like, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, I saw that Sagan at least did beat Cease Bold, so it's a little revenge for him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was quite enough of. To make him happy? No. Stage four was at the, that was the time trial, right? So that was, I think it was 15K. And, you know, looking at the profile, it didn't look like there was a, any major climbing or, you know, it was kind of flat or whatever. But then you watch the stage and it, you know, seemed like that climb was had a lot more effect than the profile looked. So it wasn't like a big climb, but it was, you know, slowing people down. And it, it was, since it was like near the beginning, it kind of, you know, when it, this, this short of a, like a, almost a prologue, like 15K is pretty short. You know, not not quite a prologue, but just a little bit more. Like it's, you know, it's a tiny amount of effort, and you're putting a lot of energy in that time. You know, it's not like a 30k or a 25 where you kind of dose it a little better. Like this one's pretty close to a prologue intensity. Well, and I would think too, just because how everything else has been written in the previous stages, every stage they're going all out because they don't know what's next. Yeah. And anyone who is not a pure climber is trying to gain time here or not lose time so that they could be in an, in contention or maybe if there's not a, a final you know mountaintop finish day that came out later they can be they can be up there with the win. Yeah, I didn't get to watch a ton of this stage, but I did kind of see the highlights and I did watch, you know, some while I was either cooking dinner or whatever. 
so I missed Sworn uh, Craig Anderson's time. So he won. He won the state, right? Not a big deal. You know, everyone's kind of seeing where the the leaders and the expected winners of the race are going to be. And so I found the takeaways from this to be pretty interesting. Where you know, Shockman, good time trialist. He finished what second? You know, he was pretty close, only a few seconds off the winning time, but he did put a lot of time into his rivals. And probably the the most interesting thing was you know, Nairo Quintana was ahead of Nibley and Pino and some of these other guys that are, you know, Naira's weakest spot has always been his time trial. And so you read about, he's on this new team, he's looking fresh, he's excited to be riding his bike again. And so, you know, you kind of see all this stuff. And so seeing him do well in the time trial that he's been putting work into is, is pretty cool. Yeah. I always want to give credit to riders that I talk mad shit about if they actually do something to improve. Exactly. And it, I always think it's weird though as well. So Port... Port made a decent time trial, and he was 34 seconds back, um, and Hagita was 46 seconds back and in front of those other guys a little bit by Nairo and Pino and all that. But it's it's interesting because I've seen, I mean, back in the day, I've seen Port do really well in time mm-hmm. trials, yeah. and I've even seen uh, Nairo do really well in time trials. And I'm just like, what what happens And just maybe the way that you train that season, like, what happens when you, you could do this and then it goes away for years and then you can come back and be decent or maybe it goes away altogether, but it's like you used to be able to do this and you used to be able to climb. Like, What happens in that? It's just always really odd to me when you've seen these guys put on good performance consistently. It's not just one time they were decent in time trial. Like, yeah. Port definitely Port was, for sure. was doing good time trialing. Well, he was a threat. He was always in the top three or five of time trial. Like, he was a like legitimately one of the best time trialists on Team Sky. Yeah, and and now like it's it's just gone. It's it's just really odd to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not accusing Richie Port of anything, but the same can be said for my boy Contador. You know, when he came back from his uh, tainted beef true suspension, he just wasn't the same rider. But um, he was just a monster on time trials. But yeah, Port like you know maybe those crashes have just kind of weakened him, and he's tightened up in certain spots or whatever. But definitely not the same and. You know, one of the disappointments of this was was Philippe, right? These shorter time trials, and even in the Tour de France last year, like, he won the, the time trial, you know? So it's like, you kind of ex- are looking to expect this from him, and so him being down so far was a little shocking. Yeah, he was kind of favored, and I think it was his hometown or really close to it, so everyone was like, you know... Thinking he would really go for gonna it. He's going to walk away with this. For sure. No, I think overall the time trial didn't really do a whole lot. Um, Hagita... I mean, I think sometime. it did a decent amount for Shockman. Is the main it really the, set him the, up for the success. winner? You know, of walking away with this is. Yeah, is, I think the second place rider at that point in the general standings was almost a minute back. Yeah, so it really <laughs> locked him in as the clear favorite to win the stage race. Like if he didn't sure. win, it would be something happened. Yeah. So we'll see how that how that progresses. What happened in stage five? I didn't get to watch this one. So stage five was not as much happened. So basically, the the whole thing I have is just you know, can the brakes stay away? Because they stayed away for a very long time. It looked like a break stage. I mean, that was one of the ones we looked at when we were looking at the different stage uh, stages of this race that we kind of pegged for a, a yeah. breakaway. And it's just kind of weird. So it's the same thing, you know, how we're talking all week. It's building up. Uh, TJ goes home just for fear of not being able to go home, that they were going to cancel flights to the U.S. Mm-hmm. So you start seeing people pull out as well. and just kind of further builds up where, like, okay, are we going to finish this? But, so watching the breakaway, uh, big player in that was Jan Tratnik, and 
he actually took them to the line just almost. It was, oh, really? Yeah, it was kind of awesome to watch. Yeah, he gets caught within the last 100 meters or so and ends up being a bunch for it where Bonifacio uh, takes that sprint win. So, But it was in those like just few moments where it's like, you know, can they really do this? Can he do it? And, you know, he drops everybody else that's in there and goes off on his own and just barely gets caught. So it was kind of cool, but, you know, less going on, I, I would say, in comparison to all the other stages because they just had so much more excitement. Yeah. Well, you got to have one one downstage. Yeah. All right, stage six. You know, this stage was, you know, so what happened, you know, overnight at that point was they canceled stage eight, right? Sunday canceled it. So then everyone was like, maybe Saturday will get canceled. And so kind of had another one of those interesting stages where, you know, there's a lot of climbing and there's a, a chance for the yellow jersey to t change hands. And so, you know, because of the time trial, Craig Anderson's place in the standings was up. You know, he was in second place, you know, so he was close to yellow. And so you see him, the coverage kind of starts with, you know, 50K to go or whatever. And, and then you see that, uh, Craig Anderson is hanging out in the in the break. Yeah. And so you're like, hmm. he like fought to get back there. So he got up there and he's in the break and you're like, he has like a minute. He's like kind of in virtual yellow and you're like, oh, interesting. Like this could be a pretty cool stage, you know? Well, you never know what these guys can do too. It's like, it's they're not typically that type of rider. Yeah. But in the situation, maybe they can hold on. Well, yeah, there's something about being in the leader's jersey or the potential to get it. Like you can kind of have superhuman power. I mean, look at Al yeah. Philippe last season. He just for sure. You know, yeah. like no one expected that. You know, so these types of things can happen. And Craig Anderson is not a a high A tier writer or something, but he's obviously a professional, and so um, he definitely was putting in his work and you know, looking like he was trying to fight for the yellow. Is what I was getting when I was watching this. You know, and. I didn't see earlier, you know, you were talking about in the stage race, was it the third stage or whatever, when they went back to help Benute? I mean, yeah, stage two. they dropped everybody but Michael Matthews back pretty much. Yeah. That was in So, there. you know, I'm seeing Craig Anderson. He's in second place. Like, it looks like he's really putting in work. And, you know, the second to last climb, uh, so the stage, I think, if I remember correctly, like, ends in a descent more or less. Like, there's a little climb, a descent, a little climb, and then... Kind of yeah, like a sharper descent into the, yeah. into the finish. So going into that second to last climb, I think we're at, you know, 12K to go or something. Like it's pretty close, you know. He's kind of running out of steam, and I think he ends up going solo for a little bit. And then what happens is there's some attacking going on in the peloton. And then I see Tij Benut and Vincenzo Nibli go. Well, I think Nibli went first, and then Benut. Yeah, I think he followed. And followed. you're like, why is he chasing down his own guy? Exactly. And then he just attacks Nibley. And I was like, this is so strange, you know? Because, like, Craig Anderson looks strong. He's, like, you know, looking good. And then Manute kind of just drops Vincenzo, like, really quick and, and just putting a lot of effort to catch Anderson. But also, then it starts to make sense because Anderson starts to look really tired. Well, yeah, but you think that he's, like, up there as... They're like, okay, once we can both crest this climb, then we can work together on the flat. That's what you imagine is going to happen because yeah. he's going to need that support because it's a lot harder to do it solo when there's like a chasing peloton because it's ending on a descent. You're like, all right, these two guys will go off. Yeah. Well, by then, Anderson was looking pretty tired. He looked pretty ragged. When Benut caught him, like, he looked done and, like, cooked. And so 
unbeknownst to me, you know, he was actually there to help Benute, you know, so he put in that token, like, I'm toasted, you know, can't do anything else. So he gave that, like, 10-second pull, and then, like, Benute yeah. went on his own, <laughs> and, like, uh, he's like, I'm, you're not going to get anything from me, and so, yeah, Benute just attacks, and, like, you know, again, this goes back to our, the, this race being so unique is everyone knew, like, this was the last real race for a while, you know, and so... You're just seeing all these crazy attacks and crazy tactics, and it's pretty damn interesting to watch. And I, I was, I really enjoy Banu. You know, he hasn't won very many races. He won that Strade Bianchi, you know, which was pretty cool. But I just like him as a rider, so I'm always excited to see him do something, even though it doesn't always, or usually, since he's only won two races, ever amount to anything. I still think he's just really close. Yeah, he's done it several times, and it hadn't worked out. But he's definitely always putting in that work and that gritty kind of rider that's yeah. like, I'll, I'll go out there and try and put in the work. Yeah, I, I just love riders like that. So, you know, seeing him attack and just solo and try to make it to the finish, you know, just on his own and putting in all that work, it was really cool to watch. And so, you know, so what happened was the Peloton kind of comes behind and they're getting, they're gaining on him and it looks tight. But every time someone in the Peloton kind of attacks, you know, a couple guys go away and they're getting 10, 15 seconds and... Then the peloton catches them, and then they all slow down again. And like, and you get this infighting where no one wants to do the work, and no one wants to do anything. And then, the, you know, they just kind of let Benute get away. Yeah, it becomes a stalemate amongst yeah. all of them, where it's like, all right, well, I guess none of us are going to gain any time, and he's yep. going to do what he's going to do, and maybe we'll just try to limit it. Yep. And in the end, you know, Benute gets a, a solo victory, and that was really cool. You know, he's on a new team, and you know, I wasn't always sure about why he would leave Lada Sudal, and you know, seeing him on Sunweb, like. It's looking like a good partnership. Like that team, besides their weird tactics on a couple stages, is like coming together as like a classics team. Yeah. Now that they've lost Dumoulin and they're kind of trying to find their identity, I think they're starting to figure it out. Yeah, especially with that. It's because it's like, what are we going to do? But with him and Craig Anderson, I feel like you could become that classic stage huntery. Uh, they got Michael Matthews, too. I, I purposefully glazed over him. Oh, I know. That's why I purposefully brought him up. Um, but yeah, so that was stage six. It was a pretty cool stage. I was, I was pretty thrilled. Almost every stage in this race was just great. Yeah, they, they've been really awesome. So the real question is stage seven, right? Final stage, not canceled, right? We weren't sure. I was kind of like, so we decided, you, me, and a buddy, we were going to meet up in the morning and watch it, you know? And I kind of messed up what time it was supposed to be on, and so we missed it. But we ended up watching the replay, and we watched a good amount of the race. But, you know, we did spend some time talking. It was a buddy that we don't hardly ever see anymore, so it was nice just to have some coffee and watch it. I was like, coffee and donuts. So yeah, I got an old-fashioned. Oh, Boston cream all the way, dude. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. I just, I love Boston creams. Anyway... Yeah, so it was cool just to kind of hang out, but we did get to watch a good amount of the race, and I had a little bit of a time crunch, so we kind of sped it up a little, but in the end, it didn't matter. So this stage ends in like a cat one, and so as expected, you know, not a huge breakaway, not a lot of time for the breakaway, but you knew nothing was really going to happen until the final climb. Yeah. So didn't miss much watching Roman Bardet and uh, Nicholas Ade and a couple of other guys like be in the break, like I think... You know, there were six or seven riders or whatever it was. And it was fine. But they weren't getting anywhere. Yeah, they weren't losing time or gaining time. They were just kind of pegged at two minutes. It was like, going to fizzle out. And the, yeah. the main guys, like, when they wanted to go, they were going to make that happen. Yeah, but did you see that fiery attack from Roman Bardet? <laughs> Only to get be again, like the first one dropped from the group when, when they actually want to go. 
Is Bardet over? I hope so. Yeah, me too. I mean, his, you know, climbers, polka dot jersey. I shouldn't get any credit for that. I mean, you could talk about how ridiculous that jersey is in general. But <sighs> that sucks. I love the polka dot jersey. Man. I know, that's but it's just become, it's like, who's in the break the, the most jersey? That's when that's I, what it is now. Yeah. When I first got into the, to cycling and watching races, like, I loved the, the polka dot. I wanted one, like, just for myself. I just love climbing. But anyway, so stage seven. Whole or yeah, stage seven, no whole nothing really going on, just that small break, and then the final climb, you know, basically it comes together and three and a half K, Nairo goes off the front. Yeah, so the first eight K or nine K of the climb, nothing goes on. Yeah, I mean I think it's in that stalemate they're trying to just pull back the guys and then you know everyone's waiting when to go, they don't want to go too early. Uh, you know, give them definitely we've been giving Nairo a lot of credit, but give him credit again for going not in the last 1K where everybody seems to want to do. Like He knows he's he was too far back to win, and they knew that as well, so that's why Shockman and the leaders weren't going to really chase him. Yeah, he was like two and a half minutes back or something. So he wasn't a threat at 4K to go to win the race, but he still put in a good attack. Yeah, it was a good attack, and I mean it, and it stuck. And I feel like a lot of times he hasn't been able to do that. He's either getting pulled back or being in those same group of guys where... They don't attack until it's too late and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the main group of guys that were kind of, you know, threatening to either try to win or, you know, that little pack of riders that had the, the winner in it, uh, even them, they were still like, I think the best was Benute and he was like 40 seconds back or something or 30 seconds or whatever it was. And so no one was attacking. Yeah. Nibbly tried attacking. Like there was a few token attacks, but no one was really doing anything. And so just... It was just, um, you know, Nairo the whole time. And unfortunately, it wasn't like he was gaining enough time to podium or do anything. But watching him cross the line, like, A, he had a smile on his face, which you don't see too much from him. Like, he's usually a robot. Yeah. Almost like Froome a little <laughs> bit. You know, he's just so focused. But to see him kind of smile, he pointed at his bike, he pointed at his shirt. Like, that dude He's is... like, I like this team. No, it's like I he's... don't like this team before. But... <laughs> I almost feel like he's out of prison, you know? Like, he's happy to be alive again. Yeah, they they played that free Landa a lot, but I was like, should have been free Nairo. Yeah, it turns out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he looks the happiest to be out of that situation than anybody. Landa sets himself up for that crap. You yeah. know, he leaves whatever team he went. You know, he was on. I forget. Uh, was it? It was whatever. He was, was on it? Sky, wasn't he? Well, before that, I'm saying when he went to Team. Oh, Sky. Astana. Yeah, and then he like leaves Astana because he's not getting support, so he goes to Team Sky for some reason. And then he gets upset about that, and then he goes to Movistar, and it's like, you're just... He's like, oh, I want leadership. I'm going to go on a team that have a bunch of leaders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you expect? So I don't really have any sympathy for him, like, but Nairo, like, just got in a crummy situation, too, and, like, just fell apart. But he just looks so much different now. He's happy. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. I will say Benute did try, you know, maybe again kind of late, but they weren't going to really let him go. Yeah. He goes in the last one, one and a half K. And it was, yeah, it was one and a half to two or something. But yeah, yeah. so he tried his thing and again, a little he bit He gains too about short. 10 seconds. Yeah. But... It's also just interesting. We were kind of commenting like, you know, Benute isn't known as a climber. You know, he's kind of, he's a classics rider. And so seeing him attack on these, you know, quote unquote, climbs you know it's like classics have a lot of climbs in them but they're short you know so yeah. being two or three k it's just not something you typically see a classic rider attack and they obviously have the legs and last day of the race anyway so we have nothing else to do so i think it's like when you saw gva doing really well i think he when he was in the tour 
I think the first week he had the yellow jersey or he off and on had it and he was going out there and like climbing like crazy. Well, he didn't want TJ to get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just like you, you see these classics guys like you're saying, they can. I mean, they're not going to be able to sustain that. And so this Benut was never going to be there in a three-week race. And this was kind of a special circumstance race a little bit. But he was still there doing it. And, yeah. and they can in, in those short bursts. Mm-hmm. So oh, for sure. Well, what, what would be your takeaways of this race? I mean, I'd say major one. I mean, Shockman can, can be a, a stage, stage uh, race winner. I don't know. I wouldn't jump to Grand Tour rider at all yet. Sure. And we've talked about as well. Some guys should just focus on week-long stage races. They're just more built for it. And I think, at least in the moment, he is because he's still kind of a classics guy or a hilly classics guy. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. I got to... TJ! <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I had a little cough. <laughs> it just it just slipped out. Oh, yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I think there's a shift in mentality right now where winning a stage race is not something that you should pursue as your only goal. You know, like, there's a prestige in being a classics rider. There's a prestige in being a sprinter. There's a prestige in winning a grand tour. But there doesn't seem to be, like, this prestige or cachet of, like, winning a lot of stage races. Well, and, and I think because they expect you, they're like, well, if you can win a stage race, you should be a grand tour rider. And if you can't, then you're just, like, not very good. Yeah. And it's just like, well... What if you just won three of these every year? People yeah. would be like, this guy's insanely good. Like, let him keep winning this. And then they'll be like, can he make a great... Like, and they'll we, well, yeah. His career. They, yeah you know? they, it's like, like, then they force him to do that. And just, yeah. If that's what you're doing well, let him do it. Yep, uh, I, I agree. So yeah, we'll be interesting to see how Shockman develops. I mean, this season is turning out to be a, a weird one. And you can't... You know, as, as much as I want to take away from this race, it's really hard to know what to take away because... Right now, as of today, I think races across all of cycling basically are canceled until the middle of April. So yeah, Flanders, Roubaix is getting moved. Like Giro has been postponed. Like just they did the stuff and although you anything that's USA, like cycling sanctioned is all canceled and yep until April or sometime in there as well. So yeah, it's an interesting interesting time of year. But I mean, overall, I thought this race was super cool, and I think part of it was because of the the Corona thing and the race is being canceled and you got these teams coming together that had two teams merge into one. And so overall, I think it was a really cool stage race to watch. It was like the tour on steroids because they only yeah. had one week. <laughs> and it was all these teams are built as like tour teams. And so just seeing these like power teams, echelons, like two or three days. And like, it was just cool and, and just I mean, always something. Maybe teams will take something away and like, hey, we can race things differently. I hope so. And look at things differently in the same way you're saying maybe a little more prestige should be in a stage race or, you know, whatever you want to do. It'd be like, hey, like we can we can break up, we can use echelons and classic style racing to break up uh, a stage race or maybe even a grand tour. Or like, let's do let's go all out stage mm-hmm. stage two and try to, you know, try to ruin someone's whole tour and oh, yeah. and, and send them back, you know, into a a split and then you know they're caught out and I know they've done that a few times in the tour and there's always a couple like okay I think this might be a classics style stage or there might be echelons but putting an extreme focus on it I think you can have a different style of team where maybe you're like hey we don't have the best climber but 
we can use our tactics to actually win the race or put ourselves in a much better position because we don't the race. Yeah. yeah, because we don't have that that top the top two or three guys, but we have maybe a, a solid core group of guys and we can work together. Yeah. Maybe just change team tactics in general is would be kind of cool as a that's, something to go forward. That's pie in the sky stuff right there, man. Hey, I mean, I don't know. I just want cycling to be exciting. And this stage race was definitely exciting. And so, yeah, I agree. It would be really cool to see them learn and kind of use some of this stuff. And we'll see what happens. But I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool overall. Nothing like, you know, as far as other riders and how they looked, you know, Vincent. Like, it's really hard to tell because this was so early in the season. And now we have nothing to build off of. I mean, yeah, because, I mean, we'll give, you know, we've given Nairo and Higita credit. I think those are probably two other guys coming out of this race. Obviously, yeah. Benute as well. Sagan molding into form and Benute looking good. And, you know, like, yeah. I was really looking forward to a good classic season. And so right now we're just in this abyss of cycling. And it's, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. But, you know, for us, you know, next week we'll be back and we'll be, we'll find something to talk about. And it might not be pro cycling related. We might flesh out a little bit more of this, you know, people who just ride their bike as an amateur or like, you know, just kind of building up how to, what we do as riders and how we recover or whatever. We'll find a topic. Yeah. I was going to briefly like talk about that. I I think we're going to maybe try to put a little focus on that. One thing that I'm aiming to do next weekend, uh, they have a group ride, uh, but kind of, uh, I put out there before that we want to get into destination rides or things that are kind of cool and unique. And there's one out to Tortilla Flats, uh, which is, Kind of a rough road. I hear they did repave it. I heard that as well. They still didn't add a bike lane or make it wide enough, so that's really a letdown. And what was the main reason why we didn't want to ride it again, but there's a large group. Uh, there's a bike shop called, I think it's Moxie Multisport, that is going to host a, a ride out there. Uh, they're either doing like a 78 or 129-mile ride, round trip, uh, semi-supported, uh, so I think that'll be cool, and hopefully I can do that, and you know, hopefully we can talk about that and, and something of how do you prepare for that, uh, what are the after effects, because it's sure. going to be hard. Uh, you know, yeah, how do you, how like, do you re- like five thousand feet of climbing or four thousand? Yeah, and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be difficult, and then you know how do you recover from that, and so we'll have things for you either way. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it's still going to be. It's going to be a good season of bike racing for somebody. So That's maybe right. not pros. I'm going to still be riding my bike, goddammit. Yeah. So until next week, have a good one. Yeah, see ya.